0: VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender.
1: Welcome to the show. You know, I'm always excited every week when I do this show. And even though I haven't met a lot of you that listen so faithfully to this show and that have really made this show what it is today, you know, I just wish I could thank every one of you in person. You're awesome. You're awesome. And I'm also proud, you know, of Voice America to have a program like this. So, you know, it's a great week every week when we do Disability Matters. And for me, especially this week, I am so excited to have a really, really great coach on the show and one of his starting players, Jose Leap. And Jim, Jim Glatch, has been the coach at Edinburgh since 1995 and really has totally revitalized the wheelchair basketball team and made it just, well, he's turned it into really being a competitive team. And Jose is the co-captain of the Fighting Scots wheelchair basketball team at edinburgh and we are just so delighted to have them both on the show today so coach glatch and jose welcome to the show
2: thank, well, you. thank you joyce it's uh, it's an honor to be on your show today i'm uh, really looking forward to having a little chat here with you today
1: well let me start with you coach mm-hmm. how did you find out all about this wheelchair basketball and what made you decide to get involved
2: Well, uh, since since I was in college, I've always coached either basketball or baseball or or one or one or more sports throughout my life. Um, About 12 years ago, I left a position uh, in an adapted athletics environment where I was teaching coaches how to coach, and the position at Edinburgh opened up, and I saw that, and I said, you know, I'm tired of teaching other people how to do this. I'd like to start. Coaching again uh, and get back into the mix. So that's what I did. I applied for the job and Edinburgh looked at my resume and said, "You know what? You, you've got everything we want. Uh, let's bring you in and let's see what we can do here with uh, with the program." Um, the first thing I did after I got here was looked uh, to see if there's any camps, and uh, Ball State was hosting uh, the NWBA PVA camp. I went to it, took a chair that was really ragged, and got in the chair and, and went through the camp as a camper. Uh, it was funny though. One of the one of the uh, the, the staff members there just kind of looked at me, shook his head, and said, "You're in trouble because that chair is never going to get you through the week." And sure enough, by the end of the week, my hands were raw. Um, it was a tough camp. Some of the hottest weather in Indiana that week. But that's really how I got started in coaching wheelchair basketball.
1: Well, I mean, had you heard about this before? Did you know about it before?
2: Uh, I, I knew about it to a certain extent. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steel Wheelers uh, were a big name in the area of Western Pennsylvania. Uh, we—I had seen them at a couple different functions throughout the course of you know living in Western PA, and um, you know, read about them. But that was really the extent of it. Um, so when I got to Edinburgh. Uh, Coaching wheelchair basketball uh, it was going to be new. It was, it was the way I looked at it and perceived it was. Hey, I've coached basketball before. Uh, it's basketball in a wheelchair. Now, what I have to learn how to do is adapt. Uh, my thoughts on basketball to the chair, and and that's where the camp was was incredible. Um, Lou Shaver, who who was one of the people who wrote the curriculum for the camp, really be- breaks it down uh, so well. And so what I was able to do from that was just bring that back to Edinburgh, look at the squad I had, and then have to adapt it again because my first squads, uh, while they were all great students um, and some were good athletes, they were not uh, the prime time players that we've had today.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, when I met you, from the very first time I met you, I was so impressed at how you treated this like you treat anything else. In other words, you treated this the way you treat sports, period. So energetic, so enthusiastic, I was just really impressed. Well, that's thanks. what I, I liked about you so much, how, how seriously you take this.
2: Well, it, And, and that's, a, that's the biggest thing about um, basketball. And if you if you if you look at this as, as people in wheelchairs uh, and just look at it from that perspective, then you're missing the whole boat here. Uh, you have to look at it and say, this is basketball. And then you have to take it another step and say, this is college basketball. Uh, I did an interview a few weeks ago, and someone asked me what the difference between wheelchair basketball and able-bodied basketball was. And I said, there's really no difference except that our, our student-athletes cannot go side-to-side as easily, so we have to work on that. And we can't you know, jump up and down. Uh, outside of that, it's basketball, and if you can't get excited about coaching basketball, then you know, then you know, you're you're not made for this business. But being a former student athlete in, in college, I, I know what it takes to prepare yourself both mentally and physically. So every day, you know, we're pushing, we're pushing, you know, our student athletes to be better, not only on the court but off the court. So it's it's a lot of fun, and I'm always moving with it, and so that that keeps my energy level at high.
1: Well, you know, a lot of people in the United States are not familiar with wheelchair basketball at the colleges and universities, but it is becoming more and more prevalent uh, than people think. About about how many teams are there in the United States, Coach Glatch?
2: Right now there's ten teams that will uh, participate for next season, there was 10 this year. That's double the number that there were five years ago when when we hosted our last college national tournament. Now, there have been 30 college national tournaments, and there's been some colleges that have come in and come out of the program. Um, But what we have seen is a steady uh, stay with the, the old guards and then new teams coming in and developing, and they're developing quite fast. Uh, there's, team, there's a team at Oklahoma State. There's a team in Arizona. There's a team in Alabama. There's a team at Missouri. All those teams came in in the last five years, and they're all becoming very solid basketball programs. You know, the University of Illinois is kind of unique in that they they have both a men's and a women's team. And while Alabama and Arizona both do as well, Illinois men and women both play in the college division, and the women are very competitive. They're very good athletes, and you know, a lot of those women who play on that team. Participate on our U.S. national team. So, you know that what happens is, besides playing other women's teams, they're getting a chance to play the men's college teams, and it's only not only helping them become better, but it helps our our U.S. team uh, be better.
1: And you know, if you just joined us, you're listening to Coach Jim Glatch, who is the coach of the wheelchair basketball team at Edinburgh University, which is located in Pennsylvania. Uh, near Erie, correct?
2: Yeah, we're we're in Erie County. We're about probably 15 minutes from Erie, and uh, you know it's it's a gorgeous campus. I mean, if, if people who have never been to this this part of the country, um, you know, they look at it, and, and probably all they ever see on a weather map is the snow that we get in in January and February. But um, Edinburgh and, and the campus itself is just gorgeous. Uh, you get all four seasons up here, but the it, the way the way the the, the university is designed. Um it is set up perfectly for individuals in chairs. Um it's it's one of the top uh campuses in the country for not only accessibility but programs we offer here. And uh so there, there it's there's a lot of things that we offer here at Edinburgh University to make individuals with disabilities at a college setting successful.
1: Um, well that is fantastic and, and again Edinburgh University, right here in Pennsylvania, and again Coach Jim Glatch. I met and just so impressed with him and his attitude. Again, no pity, really great attitude about this, uh, and I'm just so excited to have him on the show today. But he wanted to have with him one of his superstars. So we have a student also on the show today, Jose Leap from Edinburgh University, who is the co-captain of the Fighting Scots wheelchair basketball team Jose welcome to the show
3: thank you Joey thank you for having me uh,
1: it, it's a pleasure to have you Jose for our listeners throughout the world how did you first get involved with wheelchair basketball
3: um, I first got involved It was, uh the early 90's it was uh, my mom and I were having a dinner at McDonald's and we just saw this kid there he was in a wheelchair and uh, we started talking to him and we come to find out that he, he played um, on a team and he was involved with uh, wheelchair sports so um, he we just talked for a while and then he told us uh, that uh, we should come by for our practice and check it out. So so we did and then I've been hooked on it ever since.
1: Oh, that is awesome! And you are a student at Edinburgh and you're also on the team.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and I think is your major Spanish, correct? Yes, it is. All right, and are you a senior now, Jose? Yes, I am. So you're soon going to be graduating, then?
3: Yeah, this May I be graduating?
1: And where are you from originally?
3: Originally, I'm from Colombia.
1: And here in the United States, where do you live? Uh, in Indiana. Indiana. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, see anyone listening to the show, here's a great candidate on the phone right now. <laughs> well, Jose, for our listeners, tell me, wheelchair basketball, how has that helped you grow, and what does it mean to you personally?
3: Well, it uh, it's helped me grow, and that it's given me uh, self-confidence to just, you know, go out there and uh, pursue my goals and don't give up. And uh, it means a great deal to me just because uh, I'm allowed to express myself in a wheelchair. So, I mean, that means a great deal to me.
1: Just to be able to be yourself. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have a question here from emailed from one of our listeners. For you, Coach Glatch, and the question is, uh, Coach Glatch, I would like to ask you, as a parent uh, of a child with a disability, do you have any advice of what you can do to encourage high schools? to do something with including people that are interested in wheelchair basketball, and that is from Mary in Pittsburgh, PA.
2: Well, I, I, I'm glad to hear that. One one of the things that uh, that I try to do is uh, I have a, a basketball camp, July 29th through August 3rd, right here on, on campus at Edinburgh University. And what I've tried to do through the school districts or through the IUs is send out my camp information, and then I encourage uh, the, the, the school districts to, to get that information out to potential students who, who could become involved with the camp and from that then help their area grow. Um, the school, in, in return, you know, they, every every student is permitted to have physical education, and if they are not capable of participating with the other students in the class, or they they need adaptations, wheelchair basketball is a great adaptation, and all that has to happen is the school has to write it into the student's IEP. And now the student can participate in wheelchair basketball while everybody else is playing basketball. Uh, if the if the instructor, or the, the phys ed teacher, is creative, then that person can uh, actually incorporate it with the other students and get them involved so that they can, they can learn right along with the student how to play wheelchair basketball. Um, I think that's probably the first thing. The second thing is what I would love to see long-term is all the school districts start looking at a way – to develop a, a, a regional team to help, you know, wheelchair basketball grow in the state of Pennsylvania. The state of Pennsylvania has probably one of the, one of the smallest groups of wheelchair basketball players as far as youth are concerned in the whole country. Uh, Philadelphia has the only youth team. Now, Pittsburgh, through John Secor and Chaz Callum, are slowly working on a junior program. They just had a, a clinic this past uh, Saturday down at the Children's Institute, and they were, they'll were they be doing that every Saturday uh, throughout the course of the year. So that is another way uh, the schools can help us get people involved.
1: All right, and with that, we're going to go to break for a minute, and then we'll be right back with Coach Jim Glatch and Co-Captain Jose Leap from Edinburgh University with the Fighting Scots wheelchair basketball team. You're listening to Joyce Bender, where disability matters, on voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
4: Voiceamerica.com, your news talk information radio network.
5: Every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel.
0: VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender.
1: And welcome back if you just joined in right now. We are today have as our guest Coach Jim Glatch and co-captain and student Jose Leap from Edinburgh University and the Fighting Scots Wheelchair Basketball Team. And you know, before we go through all this, I want to mention, uh, Coach Glatch, didn't you have, you did have a big event this year at Edinburgh, right?
2: We had the uh, 30th National Intercollegiate Wheelchair Basketball Tournament, uh, and it was at the end of March. Uh, We hosted every. All the intercollegiate teams came in here. Um, We were seated throughout the course of the year based on our win-loss record against each other. Um, What was really neat about it is we came in as the number three seed, which was our our highest finish ever for the regular season, and. With that, we we had to open up against the University of Arizona, who was the number six seed. Uh, We played a really good basketball game. Arizona played a really good game. But what was really impressive was we had a packed house. Uh, And most of my players have never seen that many people in attendance to watch wheelchair basketball. Uh, By winning that game, we, we got back to the semifinals for the fourth year in a row. And we've never won a semifinal game. And so going into that game, our expectations were high, uh, but we knew we were playing the University of Illinois, who, you know, throughout the course of the year, it's been back and forth of the two teams. Uh, It's been great competition. And uh, the the, the crowd got to see a great basketball game. Uh, You know, Illinois went up early. We came back and tied it up, and then we pulled away late, and we won our first semi and went, went to the championship game for the first time ever. So it was a lot of fun this weekend. And, again, it was in front of a packed house. And the championship game was against the University of Wisconsin Whitewater. And, again, it was a nice basketball game. For the first half, it was back and forth. It was five points at halftime. But uh, Whitewater had lost all year. Uh, their depth and, and size really got to us. Uh, some outside shooting, and uh, they won the national title. But I was extremely proud of my guys. Uh, the finished second in the nation is, is really a long ways away from where we were 12 years ago when I first started the program. And wow,
1: that is great. Congratulations. Thank you. That thank is you. really good.
2: So it was it was a lot of fun but I think as impressive as as our team was and how how well all the teams that came into Edinburgh that weekend played uh were, was the fan support for uh, for our team because all three of our games were were packed and it was just you know as the, as the students got adjusted to the fans as well as the game uh they played better as well and it was it was a lot of fun to watch my players play but you know, after the game and realizing how many people were actually in the stands, because as you're coaching and as you're playing, you don't recognize it a whole lot. You see it at the beginning of the game, and then you try to zone it out so you can focus on the game. Uh, then after the game, especially after we beat Illinois, uh, we got the fans rest the floor. I mean, and it was so cool for the for the players to experience all of that. Um, they were signing autographs. It was it was families were there, and it was just a really emotional time. It was a lot of fun, and it was it was uh, for, for my three seniors, but for my whole team, I was just very proud of them and very happy for them.
1: Wow, that is so exciting!
2: Oh yeah, yeah. oh
1: that is great. Yes, I'm sorry I could not be there. Actually, the coach invited me to be there, um, and I could not go. One of my Uh, young managers did go and speak Mike Agus for me which I really appreciate that he did that Uh, but I had a little accident and broke my leg but uh, I'll be back to one of these events in the future
2: How is your leg?
1: My leg is much better yes I'm moving right along you know as I told someone the other day I'm still wearing this boot cast um, and I told my listeners all about it when it first happened I'd fallen down steps and and broke the fibula bone in my leg Uh, but you know what uh, I am I have epilepsy I have a hearing loss so I already am very familiar with disabilities but let me tell you that traveling on an airplane with a wheelchair is an experience you must have that experience to appreciate What people who use a wheelchair go through because you have to wait it seems like forever till they come and get you off that plane <laughs> you know what I mean Jose?
3: Mm-hmm. I know oh, what you mean oh
1: that is so terrible and yeah. it's, you know so many other things but um you know, but I'm just fine, but I'm really glad you had that 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 is really great and a great accomplishment you Thank know, you. for your team
2: oh yeah it was it was it was it was a lot of fun i mean we our players put a lot of time and a lot of hard work into every season um and every game the preparation for it was uh, was incredible, but I think what happened was it, it, it stems back to late last season when we lost in the in the semifinals. You know there were players such as Jose and and, and Mike Looney and Jason Matthews and Bryce Duty and Tommy Gray, the five guys that were returning, and they just kind of had a purpose. You know their their purpose was even stronger than normal that they wanted to play in that championship game, and they felt um, that they had cheated themselves. And and, and honestly, the Texas Arlington team last year that won the national title, who beat us. You know they weren't going to be denied last year. They were a very good team. They were led by a kid named Mikey Pay, who's an incredible basketball player. Um, so these guys worked hard. Most of them spent the summer up here, worked together. Um, I give them summer workouts. They did some of that along with some of their own stuff. And just the I think the bond between those guys became so strong that that we saw it out in the court uh, throughout the course of the season. You know, we had our ups and downs, obviously, as every basketball team does, but we, we maintain a focus that it just, you know, if we lost a game, and, and we really only lost the two teams all year, Whitewater and Illinois, were the only two teams that could beat us all year, we could go back and say, okay, what did we do wrong? How do we correct it? And we did it. And the next time we were able to play, especially against Illinois, we were able to make those adjustments and changes. But, um, you know, a, a lot of the credit for, for our successes here has to go back to our co-captains and, and our players because they just put the extra time and effort in without me being around, along with the stuff we do on the court every day in practice.
1: Well, that is great. Jose, we have a question for you from Tony in Ohio. Okay. And the question is, Jose, tell me when you – first start playing wheelchair basketball, how important is it to have a really good wheelchair?
3: Oh, that's very important. You know, you have to make sure your wheelchair works properly and that, you know, it's up and running. I mean, I always maintained it and just cleaned it and, you know, try to get fitted. It's good to uh, be strapped, you know, so you can control your chair and everything. So i say it's very important.
1: Yeah, I would have to think that would be very important also. Because, you know, just so you know, don't be thinking that this wheelchair basketball is, you know, in any way, shape, or form for someone who is on the mild side. Because I'm going to tell you what. You get in a wheelchair and you play some of these people, you're going to see one of the toughest, most ferocious playing you've ever seen. (laughs) I mean, I've seen people play where they knock the other people out of their chairs. I mean, I have seen... Really competitive, tough playing. Would you agree with that, Jose?
3: Yes, it's very it's competitive. It's very competitive, and it's, it is fast paced. And uh, you know, players usually pushing as fast as they can, and they're usually colliding through each other. And you know, when that happens, someone's going to fall on the ground. You just got to get back up.
1: <laughs> I know this because way back in around oh, when was it? I think it was around um uh, oh. Oh, the year 2000, when I was in Washington, D.C., and they were having all these events uh, celebrating the Americans with Disabilities Act, and Jonathan Young from the White House asked me if I would be willing to play wheelchair basketball, and it was wheelchair basketball team against the White House Mm -hmm. staff. And I said, are you kidding me? I can't get this ball in standing up. I'm never going to get it, you know, from a wheelchair. And he he really was kidding around with me. And out came the White House staff, and they had on their shirts and ties. And I thought, oh, uh, you're going to really get killed. <laughs> and, 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 and they did. They did get killed. And they had no idea, you know, what it was like. But I'm telling you, you have to be in really tremendous condition. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really take it seriously because it is... It is a rough and tumble game. Would you agree with that, Coach?
2: It's a, it's incredibly rough and tumble. You know, it's funny because um, as a coach, my one of my jobs, although the officials will tell you it isn't, my job is to to maintain some control not only with my players, but you know, I I, I get on officials a little bit. Uh, and if any of them are out there listening, they're probably having a good chuckle on that. But. You know what happens is, as Jose points out, you, you're you're moving at top speed, and then you're trying to turn. Uh, the other team's job is to make sure you don't get by them so that you can score. Uh, there's going to be contact. It, 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 in essence, basketball in general, wheelchair or not, is supposed to be a non-contact sport. But I've never watched a basketball game where there wasn't some form of contact. Um, you know, we had a play this year in the national championship game where you know Bryce Duty's trying to get down to uh, the offensive end and uh, Joe Chambers from Whitewater, who's huge. Uh, the two of them are going back and forth. Joe's trying to keep Bryce out, and, you know, their wheels just lock up, and they flip right in front of the scores table. And, you know, they want, the whistle doesn't blow, so they're both trying to go in. The whistle doesn't blow because Jose's going in for a fast break layup. And so now all of a sudden here comes Joe trying to roll over, hose, or over Bryce just to get back up. And, you know, I'm trying to get the action stopped because um, Joe's twice, Bryce's size, I'm worried, oh, my goodness, he's going to break his back. And, you know, it's not going to be – it all got worked out in the end, but that just is just one example of how competitive and, you know, how much action happens in a short period of time in a game of wheelchair basketball.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's really exciting. And when does your season begin?
2: Well, you know, I I always joke with the players. I, I tell them three weeks after the season's over... We're going to start working out for the next season. and So the guys have already started getting ready for next season, but um, our first game will be uh, we'll go to a Keystone Conference tournament, and it will either be in Pittsburgh or Youngstown or Erie or Buffalo, um, the teams in the Keystone Conference. And we'll use that as a preseason tournament for our players. We won't take up a couple of our upperclassmen and, and let the freshmen get a chance to play some games under me and understand what I'm trying to, to accomplish. Our first regular season game is November second in Southwest Minnesota State. In in Minnesota uh and we'll play uh we'll play the national champs Whitewater, we'll play Illinois, we'll play the Illinois women and we'll play Southwest Minnesota State. So that's when our season will kick off and we'll play all the way through um, March. Uh, March 12th through 15th is College Nationals out at Oklahoma State University. So it's a long season, and uh, you know that's why the off season is, is almost as important as the, you know what we do in the prep season. You know, had a player down here before this asking for summer workouts, and uh, so I have to get them out here this week.
1: Well, we'll talk more about that when we come back. We're going to go to break, but you are listening to Coach Jim Blatch and Co-Captain Jose Leap from Edinburgh University and the Fighting Scots wheelchair basketball team. Isn't that exciting? Don't go away. We'll be right back. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, on voiceamerica.com.
6: To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000.
4: Ever wonder what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood jet set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveras Celebrity Travel Talk with President of Traveras David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Traveras Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors... Travera Celebrity Travel Talk with David Manning and Lisa O'Hurley broadcasts each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk, your inside look into celebrities and travel.
0: Join Patricia Raskin, host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Positive Living, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-472. 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender.
1: All right, here we are. Welcome back to the show. And we are talking to Coach Glatch and Jose Leap from Edinburgh University, the Fighting Scots wheelchair basketball team. Now, I wanted to ask you one thing before I go on to you, Jose. Coach Glatch, you mentioned that you have several people, seniors, three seniors, yes. that are leaving. Yes. Um, and what are you going to do to replace them?
2: Well, we're, we're in an we're active recruiting stage right now. Um, we started recruiting uh, at the end of last summer for this year, and we'll get started on the next class July, July 1st as well for the next for 08 season. So I've had probably 10 to 12 kids on our campus in the last uh, nine months just for official visits and and looking at our campus, meeting with our players. Um, so that's how, you know, actively I will do that. Then what I do is I follow up with the leads from from different uh, resources, whether it be schools, uh, magazines, uh, whatever it takes to find, you know, people out there who – who look like they are going to be solid student athletes, um, and that's not always an easy task. Um, one of the things that you know we run into here at Edinburgh is our, you know, our lack of scholarship money, and it's not not for lack of trying. Edinburgh is very supportive in a lot of ways with that, um, but you, there's there's programs out there right now that are offering full scholarships, and you know when a, when a program offers a full scholarship, a students probably going to jump at that opportunity. So you know that's an area that as I I continue to, to coach which is an area I have to work on is to to find funds to build up our scholarship account. But we have a little one open. We just haven't gotten it endowed yet. So yeah, we're that's how we're going to replace them is, is recruiting. Now we've got a young man from Boston, Massachusetts who signed his letter of intent very early and a young man named Andy Garbarino and we're very excited about it because he was on our top ten list of kids to bring in. Um we're still you know, we, we signed a young man from Johnstown who's local, who hasn't played a lot of basketball. He's he's played with the Johnstown flood wheel, wheelers. Um, and Justin Frampton. So Justin's going to come in, and Justin's going to hes being—he'll be one of those players who will take a little bit longer to learn the game uh, in his first couple years, and you know, trying to learn how to play any sport in college is, is very difficult. Um, and so it, he's going—he's going to have to work very, very hard. But I'm sure, just from what I know of Justin, he'll do well. Um, we have a young man from uh, Illinois named Aaron Babbitt, who we're waiting to have him sign. He he will be signing his letter here in the next week, so that'll be that'll that'll take care of the numbers that we've lost. Um, but we're still looking at uh, we're looking at a couple of young men out of Georgia. Um, one we're hoping we'll sign in the next week. Um, we're, there's a young man out in Minnesota who's who's got it down to three schools right now. It's us and two other schools. I spoke with his father last week, and you know he this young man, his name's Casey Stolter. Casey is just a is a impressive young man. He's got. Uh, He's got incredible values. Uh He's a hard worker. He's a good student. Um, he'd be a perfect fit here at Edinburgh University. So we're hoping that we can uh, get Casey to come into Edinburgh. And and I think if we get Casey and, and one of the young men from uh, Georgia, and then we're also looking at a young man in D.C., who I had recruited some years ago, and he decided to stay home and go to community college for a couple of years. Um, he wanted to get his grades up and uh so we're hoping sergio will will be able to get into Edinburgh here in the next uh, couple of weeks and and we'll have him signed so that's how i replace that's how I replaced three seniors now in saying that replacing them uh Physically is one thing, replacing them and what they've done for our program. You know, I don't think you ever replace a Jose Leap or Mike Looney or Jason Matthews. I think that you have new people who do new things and um, and so it's a it 's a new time for excitement for a coach and for a team and and you can 't look at you know you can 't look at it the same way you can 't say, well, you know this is what Jose would have done or this is what Mike would have done, or this is what Jason would have done. You have to take each individual and take what 's best in them and make it better, and then see how that that fits into your team concept and your team mentality so uh, it 's a new challenge every season, and I think this season will probably be one of our biggest challenges in the last five or six years because we 've had the luxury of having uh, having players like Jose uh, on the team
1: and you, Jose what are you going to be doing after this
2: um, I'm not really
3: sure yet. I have some I was planning on going to Spain and maybe going to Charlotte so uh, nothing uh, in concrete yet so uh,
1: and this association what is this called this association that you're in
2: for the basketball
1: for the wheelchair basketball
2: it's it's the National Wheelchair Basketball Association and we are part of the Central Intercollegiate Division uh so it's the the National Wheelchair Basketball Association nationwide has over 100 teams uh, actually over 200 teams um at the, the youth level at the college level uh, at the both the men and the the women's fem- uh adult level um and in the men's level there's three divisions and the division 1 2 II, and 3 with division 1 being uh the elite teams that play under N- NBA rules uh division 2 is is you know more of your club teams that uh, they and Division Three both play under NCAA rules, much like intercollegiate. But they're adult teams, and, and it's more of a recreational sport for them, although when you see them play, it, you wouldn't think it was recreational. They're very competitive. Um, Division Three, what, what Division Three is has is, uh, opened up the opportunity for is some of the players who are either brand new to the game or who have been around very long to continue to compete or either learn and And then, if they 're younger, hopefully go on to a college program and then back back home to a division two team or or even play at a higher level in division one
1: and that is the division that you 're in division three
2: no no, no, we are actually in in intercollegiate play is a separate division from all three of those divisions um and and that's where I think that's sometimes where the confusion with wheelchair basketball nationwide comes in because because we are uh, not associated with a division status like the NCAA, and people then hear Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, they assume that, well, you're probably Division Two like all the other sports at Edinburgh University, but in all honesty, what that is is just a way to divide uh, adult divisions up. The intercollegiate division is a separate division that um, competes primarily against other colleges and for the national title against only colleges.
1: So you're the collegiate then?
2: Yeah, we're here the collegiate division. Yes. yes,
1: well, that is great. And, and there, there is this for men and for women, correct? There,
2: yes, yes. At um, in, in the intercollegiate level, there's uh, there are nine teams um, nationwide. We're the only team on the East Coast, and there's three women's teams currently. Um, and there are none on the East Coast right now, so you know. And then in the men's level, like I said, there's those three divisions, and the women's there's one there's one division for women's play, and there's about 15 teams, and you know. And again, those are a mixture of women that are either um younger, older, and, and they, you know, they're more of a club team, so they're, they're, they 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 do not practice every day. Uh, the big, the big significance with the intercollegiate division is not only are these student athletes, these are full-time student athletes, and all the programs practice and, and follow the guidelines of the NCAA. Even though we're not governed by the NCAA, we follow the practice guidelines, so we, we're allowed so many hours a week of practice. Uh, I use as much as I can. We're permitted 20 hours of, of practice and competition per week, so I try to use as much of that as I can to prepare my teams. And then when we go weeks of competition, obviously practice is backed off a little bit. Um, but, the, you know, Jose can tell you we, there's many weeks we'll go six days, two, two-and-a-half hours a day mm-hmm. um, just to prepare uh, for a competition.
1: Wow, that is great. Well, it, and that doesn't surprise me. Actually, that was my next question. As you know, Coach Glatch, I, I am an advocate. I always have been an advocate of no pity. You know, my whole world is employment. You you are in the world of sports. My question is, do you use that same philosophy in coaching? And if so, could you give us an example?
2: Yeah, I first off, I I, I I'll bring a student athlete in here during their first uh, year, and I have what I do is I sit down and meet with them, and I just look them square in the face and say, "Look, while society wants everything to be equal and says everything is equal, it's not looked upon that way. And because you're in that chair, you have to do twice as much." To prepare for your future uh, in the workforce, when we get on that court, that's how I'm going to treat you. I'm going to treat you no different than anyone else. So if you fall, you get up on your own. Uh, we do a drill. You know, Jose was talking earlier about the collisions, and you got to get up. Well, we do a drill early in the season called ups. And a student gets down. You know, a student goes down, they got to get back up. So we'll spend five minutes uh, once a week. Just hey, get down, get back up, get down. That way, when the game goes on, they're they're not interfering with the game. They've got, if they go down, they got to get back into play. I'm not going to stop the game just to to make sure they're okay. Get up if they're okay, go. If they're badly hurt, then well, when we get to the timeout, we'll we'll get them off floor, get them fixed, and make sure they're fine. Uh, but the, I think the biggest key here is. I can't treat a student athlete of mine any different than I would treat any other student athlete on this campus. Uh, you know, you have to practice hard, you've got to work hard, and there can be no complaining about it. If that's how it is. That's how it's going to be. And if you if that's not the way you want to learn how to play basketball, um, then you're not going to be prepared for life. Um, as you know, Joyce, people aren't going to feel sorry for you just because you can't get up in the morning or because you, you've had a bad day. Uh, that's the way I treat my basketball players. You've got to get going and you've got to be moving, and, and practices are hard like that every day. Uh, when the students come in uh, and we do our, our eight hours a week of conditioning, you know, the first thing out of my mouth is we're going to go do the loop, and you've are got 45 minutes, I want to see how many get in, um, you know, Jose's, you know, the champ there. He gets six laps in, and they're a mile, 1.2 miles, and he gets it in, and, and no problems. I had a young man get three laps in, and he looked at me, and he says, well, coach, that's a lot of pushing. I said, well, had you done your summer workouts, you would be fine. Now you've got to go back out there next week, and you've got to get four or five hours, otherwise you're holding the team back. So, I don't pull punches when it comes to getting prepared, especially for the season. Uh, you know, when we're, when we're getting prepared for a game, you know, we, we have a we have a great atmosphere in the practices because what I try to do is I try to te- treat each of my student athletes like adults. But there'll be a point in time when they decide that they're a little bigger or better or they just decide it's joke time. And so at that point in time it's we go to the line, we start pushing and we push as a team and what I point out to the players is hey look, you know, if one person goofs off, it affects everybody else on the floor. Uh, you guys all push because of that one person's mistake. My, my hope is that they look at that player and say, okay, fine. You know, don't do that again. We don't want to push on your account. And, and we're not talking one down and back. Usually we start with five. And if it keeps going, it, it ends up at 20 or 30. And, you know, some people would look at me like, hey, you know, it, it, this guy is a nut. But my, my job here is to teach discipline. And it's also to make sure that these people, these young people are, are prepared for life after basketball, because basketball isn't going to pay the meals. It's not going to pay the bills. It's it, it's not a career per se. They have to be prepared to go into the workforce, and they have to understand that discipline when they go into the workforce.
1: Well, you are exactly right. I agree with you, because uh, that's why I tell everyone, you know, if you are going to work and if you're late and it's because you're in a wheelchair and your paratransit doesn't get there, no one is going to say oh you know what i just i just feel so sorry for you that that happened and i understand you know we we will let that go they'll say you're late if you're going to be late you're fired you know that is how it is so actually what you're doing preparing people is also preparing them i believe for a great opportunity of employment i'll tell you that's one of the reasons i partnered here with coach blodge as you all know, I have openings across the United States for people with disabilities. And sometimes people with disabilities are afraid to relocate. They're afraid to leave home. Hear me now. Get over it.
4: We can't
1: wait. We can't wait for those walls to come down. You know, there's attitudinal barriers. We still have a 65% unemployment rate. The walls aren't coming down. We've got to go through the walls. That's why you have an opportunity to go to Edinburgh and you live in another state. Don't ever let that be the thing that stops you. We'll talk more about that in a minute when we come back. But right now, we're going to go to break. You've been listening to Coach Jim Glash and student and co-captain Jose Leaf from Edinburgh University and the Fighting Scots wheelchair basketball team. We'll be back to close the show So just hold on for us. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, on voiceamerica.com. We'll be right
3: back. Conversation at a click of a mouse. Voiceamerica.com.
6: I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are 2.5 million Americans with the condition
0: VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Spender.
1: Welcome back, and if you just joined us, oh, you've got to go back and listen to this entire show, and a great show it has been with Jose Leap, and Coach Jim Glatch from Edinburgh University in Pennsylvania, the Fighting Scots wheelchair basketball team. I want to just finish what I was saying before we went to break. If you are living anywhere in the United States uh, and you are a young person just, you know, thinking, you're leaving uh, high school looking for a college and you want to play wheelchair basketball, well, first of all, this Coach Glatch is out of this world. So Thanks. I'd go with him in a minute. But number two, you know, don't let it be that the reason you don't go is you're afraid to leave where you live. That's foolish because guess what? When you're looking for employment, you're going to have a choice. You either go where there's a great opportunity or you're going to be one of the have-nots. Because if you're not, right now the unemployment rate for Americans with significant disabilities is horrifically 65 percent we've got a problem you've got to go where the opportunities are those walls aren't coming down those attitudinal barriers we've got to go through them or climb over them but we can't wait till they come down and i'm sure you've met or talked to people coach Glatch, that the reason their child maybe didn't want to come is sometimes the parent didn't want them to leave
2: yeah, I mean, it, there's there's uh, multiple reasons. You know, as I mentioned earlier, one of them is the scholarship. So they they you know they're closer to to home and they can get a scholarship. Great. But uh, there's been a lot of instances over the last 12 years when I've been recruiting a player, and you know, mom or dad or even in the, in the, or the youth. Even though I think it's more mom and dad speaking. You know, they don't want to live. You know, they don't want to leave home. They they're afraid what might happen. Their their child's never. You know, they they've doted on their child for so many years that they're afraid that their child can't handle it on their own. And, you know, what happens then is they're they're going to be at home for the rest of their lives or, or for or, or a significant portion. But more importantly, you know, how successful are they going to be the first time they have to think for themselves in a workplace? And it's, it's just not the way to go. Um, one of the things I brag about here is that, you know, in my 12 seasons, all the student athletes that have graduated and finished playing for me through, through the end of their senior year, 100% are either in graduate school or have a job, 100%. Uh, now, that's not to say every student that's come through those doors has graduated and gotten a job, because you know we've, we've seen the students that have left mom and dad, even though mom and dad have doted on them all their lives, and after either one semester or one full year, they've left school because they weren't able to handle being on their own for the first time in their lives. And because, you know, I you know, what I try to do here is, you know, I'm not going to give them any pity. We have a support system, though. You know, hey, look, if there's an issue, you got your captains, you got your other players, and you've got me. If there's something going on, come into this office, let's sit down, let's work through it. I can teach you how to work through it, but I want... That student to be able to work through it for themselves, because again they're going to have to do this stuff on their own when they graduate, if they want to get a job mm-hmm. um, and so that's kind of one of the things that you know that I look at and say you know if if they can get here and they can they can work hard both on the court and in the classroom, I'm pretty sure they're going to do well in the workforce because what I've seen so far to this point is success from those student athletes
1: which is so awesome. And I have to ask you, Jose, when you are looking at other people joining your team, since you're the co-captain, what traits are you looking for in other teammates other than, of course, the ability to play basketball?
3: Mm-hmm. Um, well, I look for a commitment and dedication. You know, they have to uh, show up to practice on time and they have to get their lifting in and do fundraisers or whatever is required for them to stay in the sport. And uh, also, uh, I think, a personality, a friendly personality, that's key for me.
1: And you know what I love about this? All these things you were saying are exactly what they look for in the world of work because you've got to be at work on time, you've got to be dependable, and you've got to have a good attitude. Mm-hmm. Same skills, that's what you're talking about, Coach. See, it's very similar things that you're learning that you will you know, use when you go on uh, in your career. So, Coach, if there's someone listening to the show today and they want to try this but they're afraid, uh, do you have any advice for them?
2: Well, yeah. The first thing I would tell them to do is is get a hold of me, and, you know, I I would invite them up to our our basketball camp. Um, We have, uh, you know, we have a basketball camp July 29th through August 3rd, and what I do so that everyone can be successful at the camp is I run two tracks. I run a novice track, which is for first-time players or young players who haven't been to camps before, they've just started playing or have never played at all in their entire lives. And then I have an advanced track for those players who have been playing for a while, but know a lot of camps, and they're they're more developed. That way, the, the, there's no intimidation factor from from a, a young player who's trying for the first time. We had a young lady last year who contacted me. She was 12 or 13 years old, and she wanted to learn how to play the game, and so I, I told her parents about the camp. You know, they were a little worried because she was so young, so I said, can her grandfather come up just to make sure everything's okay? So, we set it up so that grandpa could be here, and she's playing this year with the pittsburgh uh steel city stars the pittsburgh's women's team uh and and because of that, because she wasn't afraid to get a hold of me because her family wasn't afraid she She'll learn how to play basketball. She'll be back at camp, I'm sure of it, this year. Um, so that's that's one of the things. The other thing, too, is the cost of the camp seems significant, but when you look at other camps across the country for any sport, it's significant. And wh- what we're, we're we're slowly finding out is some people are starting to donate some money for scholarships. So we have some scholarships for the camp this year that we haven't had in the past, and this is just coming out this last week. So if people are afraid that they can't afford the camp, there may be some money out there for them this year so that they can come to camp. And I think then the third thing is, well, we don't have our own basketball chair. Well, being a wheelchair basketball program, there's there's students that, like I said, they they don't stick around as they should to get their degree, so we have extra basketball chairs here as well. So there, there's no excuses to not come to a camp like mine in Edinburgh to learn how to play. Um, the other thing that can be done, again, and just contacting me and I can, if you live in an area over by Philadelphia, you know, I'll get you in touch with the people in Philadelphia to get you started with that program. If you live in Pittsburgh, I'll get you in touch with John and Chaz so you can do that. If you live up in the area, I'll come visit you and I'll show you how it has to be done and help you recruit other kids. In the area, because that's—I feel part of my job is to help the program grow. If you live outside the state, and I know of a program close by, then I'm in close contact with them.
1: Well, here we go. The show went so fast. We're already at the end of the show, but we cannot end without a message from both of you for our listeners. How about from you, Coach?
2: Well, the biggest thing is that you know if you're if you you're looking at playing wheelchair basketball. Do it. Don't sit back and wait. Get out there and get involved. Um, and if you have any questions, uh, get in touch with me, 814-732-1875, and I can take care of whatever you need for Wiltshire basketball.
1: And how about you, Jose?
2: Oh, I agree with Coach. If, uh, if you have a chance to you know, try a wheelchair,
3: uh, wheelchair basketball, wheelchair sports, just go out there and give it a shot, and you might end up surprising yourself.
1: Coach Harold Jones, the famous high school coach from the movie Radio. I'll leave you with this quote. People with disabilities should always raise the bar for their dreams. And isn't that exactly what Coach Jim Clatch and Jose Lieber doing? I wish the best of you. Best to the, to the fighting spots and thank you for being on our show, both of you.
2: Thank you Thanks George, for having us. us and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon.
1: Alright, and to the rest of you, all my great listeners, we'll see you next week on VoiceAmerica.com where disability matters.
5: See you then.